It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Money and Wealth with John Ho Bryant, a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. Yo, 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 John O'Brien here. This is Money and Wealth with JHB. So reader ass, listener ass, supporter ass, how can I make $10,000 in two weeks if my life depended on it? Uh, I don't want to say who the the listener was because I'm about to blow up the question. The answer is you can't unless you rob somebody and then you put your own life at risk. (laughs) I mean, you can't is a big word. My middle name is Hope. I'm not saying you can't. The likelihood of you being able to do this legally to make $10,000 in two weeks, and I assume in this question, you're working class, you're middle class, or you're not. I mean, I can make $10,000 in two weeks, but I don't need it. Right? <laughs> if, you, if you need it, right, the very, the very nature of you needing it is, you know, is relevant to you, then the likelihood of you being able to legitimately, honestly make $10,000 in two weeks is very low, which means you're going to have to do something sketchy, and which means you're going to put your life at risk. Reminds me of Chris Rock said, dude, his next door neighbor uh, robbed him, and he knew he robbed him. He's like, hey, man, what, what's going on? I heard you got robbed. He said, you, you didn't hear stuff because you were doing stuff. <laughs> you robbed me. <laughs> so, yeah, don't don't rob anybody, and, it's, uh, and don't do anything illegal, and you know, karma's real and whatever goes around comes around. And if it looks too good to be true, it normally is. So yeah, that's a no, the short answer to the question is you, you really can't legitimately um, make $10,000 in two weeks. Now 
That's the bad news. Everything else I would tell you is the good news. By the way, love is work. Love is laziness. Anti-love is evil. Evil exists, but it's very rare. Most people are just lazy, intellectually lazy, financially lazy, physically lazy, spiritually lazy. They don't want to do the work. They want somebody else to do it for them. Only in the dictionary does the word success come before the word work because it's alphabetical, right? So here's the good news. You know, you got to do the work. Everybody has to do the work. And um, now, you know, if you do the work from the neck up, from the shoulders down, you work smart, not hard, you can get to a point, i.e. my story, my story, where you can make $10,000 in two weeks. But at that point, you're compounding mostly. Like, in other words, uh, you make money during the day, you build wealth in your sleep. So I will get a check for something. And I'm like, what's this for? That's where you want to get. But it took, it's taken me 20, 30 years to get there. What's this for means it's interest on, you know, a dividend. It's dividend, a dividend payment, you know, or interest on stocks and bonds or interest on some real estate investment or rent or something like that. It's some, it's some payment off of an asset and the asset's not on your <clears throat> ASS, right? This is a real asset, right? And you're, bening, you're benefiting from it. By the way, it's, it's an old saying, but it's true. And this, this is that further up the ladder you get sort of story. Well, it's harder to make 1000 on 10000 than it is to make 10000 on 100000 But it's harder to make 10000 on 100000 than it is to make 100000 on $10 million. If you have $10 million, it's actually pretty easy to make $100,000 a year. It's actually if you have, excuse me, $4 million, $3 million a year, sorry, in assets, you can make uh, uh, six figures without lifting a finger, just passive income. You never touch the principal if you just make sound conservative investments in the stock market or there's a range of other things you can do. It stands to reason if you have a billion dollars in assets, then it's actually easier, you know, well, you, it, there's a line of sight to, you know, $100 million a year if you have a billion dollars in assets. Uh, that's 10%, by the way, of return on the billion dollars where your principal doesn't go away and you've made 10% on that, which is a hundred million dollars. So, so compounding, the more you make, the easier it is to make more on what you made. Now, unless you're just hustling, unless you're just trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents, you're just trying to, you're always trying to make some moolah, some money, some cash, you know, again, you get into that whole scamming, messing around uh, world where, you know, somebody's literally trying to get rich quick. So, Multi-level marketing, you know, there's a lot of people running around. I do, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a whole separate situation on scam. So I'm not getting into that now. But the short answer to this question is, yes, it is possible. Uh, you know, anything's possible, right? So I don't want to diminish your, I don't want to discourage you or diminish your overall enthusiasm for whatever dream you have, right? Anybody can get lucky. But the rational, reasonable, you know, um, I'm not going to get shot or killed or arrested <laughs> answer to can somebody who makes $50,000 a year make $10,000 in two weeks if their life depended on it? The answer to that is probably not unless your life does depend on it. Boy, here's a truth that is as old as Jesus and the world itself, the modern world itself. Somebody is always trying to separate you from your money, you from your wallet. <laughs> this is John O'Brien. This is Money and Wealth. So, yeah, how do I identify scams? It's, you know, it's three triggers, really. It's more than three triggers, but here's some easy ones. There's an emotional trigger, 
these are the triggers that people were trying to pull on you to get you to separate you from your wallet. There's an emotional trigger. There's a formal trigger. In other words, trying to look like they're part of the system. Uh, emotion was like inspiring you, convincing you, and you know, trying to make you feel like you're part of a, a movement or doing good or whatever. And then there's greed. <laughs> okay, And the biggest of these three, without question, is greed. So let me get into this in no particular order. Um, there's a couple out of, uh, well, again, no particular order. They pick on, pick on Madoff. Madoff, Madoff, <laughs> with I think it was $50 billion with a B, billion. And he says, uh, you know, Bernie Madoff says, how are you able to get away with this? He was, you know, embraced by the establishment, part of the formal economy, um, dealt with sophisticated investors. I'm going to deal with crimes really for working class folks, middle class folks, and poor folks here in a, it really primarily. But the, he was dealing with high net worth investors. How did he get away with it? He says himself, because people were, were greedy. They wanted to believe that he could give them some crazy returns on their money. So they turn their 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 heads to common sense. Common sense is not so common. Uh, if you look for the truth, you'll find it, right? But to rationalize is to tell rational lies, right? And you know you tend to believe what you want to believe. So whether it's Bernie Madoff who made off with fifty billion, or whether it's this dude who um, out of Malaysia, the one I don't want to get this wrong because I've got a one MBB initiative, and I never like confusing anybody confusing the two one mbb and this is one bb or something like that anyway it, it was a dude out of malaysia who scammed uh the country out of billions billions i mean just out of the sovereign fund of malaysia by the way Let's see if i can pull the guy's name up we're talking and uh you know again the prime minister was involved and all these people how, how could you get the prime minister involved with a scam in malaysia um, easy, greed, because the, it appears the prime minister was also in on the scam, right? And this guy went and hid in China, and he's still in China. I read this book. I, I, I don't often read 700-page books, but this book I did read, and it's, uh, it, it's fascinating. And uh, I'll come back to that because I'm trying to look up. I want to make sure that I pull up this guy's name and you can do some research on him yourself. This is like, you know, and he's a young guy. He was in his 20s. But once again, and he and he did, you know, he financed Hollywood movies and he, you know, he had all kind of legitimate one MDB is the name of the scam, by the way. And uh, Joe Lowe is the guy's name, right? Four billion dollars stolen from that one MDB fund. Joe Lowe is this guy's name. Uh, the Department of Justice uh, tried to prosecute him. Uh, they prosecuted him in abstentia because he's on the run. They were able to trace down $100 million. But I mean, he, this guy scammed just everybody. It's fascinating. There's documentaries out on it. Check it out. The prime minister, again, big names, Wall Street investment firms, and you know, got taken uh, for a ride in this thing. A lot of people got hurt, right? Then you step down a few levels, and there's this couple in Texas, black couple. I don't want to mention their name. They're still being, you know, going through through the criminal justice system, and while there has been a verdict raised, uh, it's not over. I don't want to ruin their reputation by mentioning their name, making a bad situation worse. Uh, but 
you know, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. They use spirituality in the church to try to get folks to tie into their, I'll say, blessed. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. And again, they promise you something that you shouldn't have believed. They, they, you know, they were talking about doubling or tripling your money or some crazy thing. I forget the numbers, but it was like crazy. Or it was even worse than that. I mean, bigger than that. There's no way you can give these kinds of returns. Again, greed, right? They use emotionalism. Uh, and they use, they use, I guess, the formality of the church, and they use greed. They use all the tricks of the trade. Do I think they were bad people? Do I think they woke up in the morning and said, ooh, let me scam out my own people? No, I don't think that's the case. I don't know them, but I don't think that's the case. I just think that, again, the rational lies is to tell rational lies. You convince yourself that what you're doing is the right thing when it is the wrong thing. And and as a dude I know, guy I know, uh, pastor out of uh, Houston, really nice guy, Ran a mega church in Houston, Reverend Kirby John Caldwell. He's serving time right now. Uh, do I think he did something malicious? No, I don't. But he convinced himself, and I wish he would have called me out or told him to stay away from it with a 90-foot pole, but he convinced himself that when somebody came to him with, with Chinese bearer bonds or some kind of crazy thing, that he convinced himself that it was legit. He had a stack of documents, again, formality. A stack of documents that supposedly proved that this was legit, I would have told him it wasn't. And he, you know, used his influence or the other people used his influence as a prominent pastor to raise money from unsuspecting investors. And it all blew up and he he's in jail right now. And, is, you know, I mean, this guy's council presidents. Again, a nice guy. Uh, I like him. To this day, I like him. And do I, again, do I think he was malicious? No, I do not. He's even paid restitution. He actually paid back, I believe, the principal sum of the money that was invested through these bonds out of his own funds. But, you know, uh, I don't know what else. I don't know the details and whether other people lost additional money. But if you just looked at this, anybody who understands finance and understand how the world works, looked at this and said, how did this get down? Again, no disrespect to the pastor. It was a pastor of a very prominent big church. But how did this sophisticated financial instrument with so-called governments in the big finance world get down to the local level of a pastor of a local church? And how did he end up with this in his hands to be able to take advantage of? It's just the world doesn't work that way. Right? Greed in and of itself would have caught that opportunity way before it got to him. In other words, if people on Wall Street knew that there were a legitimate way to double your money uh, using government bonds, that deal wouldn't have made it out of the, the first office it showed up to on Wall Street. You wouldn't ever have got down to the, the big office or the local office, to the to the to the smaller office, to the to the regional office, to the to the church in Houston, right? So I see this stuff coming. People come at me all the time. Hey man, I'll get a I had a photographer come at me at a formal event a couple weeks ago. Hey man, I got these bonds from some country. And I want to talk. Nope. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now. If there's an end of the story, can we please start there? I'm telling you, it's no good. That, that I'm telling you, that dog don't hunt. And the guy wanted to believe. Just say, look, just have a meeting. I don't need that. We're having a meeting right now. It always fascinates me when somebody says, hey, John, I just want to meet with you. Well, you're talking to me right now. We're having a meeting, right? What are we going to talk to in, behind closed doors, on four walls, right? Behind a desk and a chair that you can't tell me right now, right? Anyway. Uh, that's just a funny aside. This stuff is just too, if it looks too good to be true, it normally is. So there's your first tale. If it looks too good to be true, it normally is. Uh, I've told you a couple about a couple uh, scams. Let me tell you what 
Experian says about some of the latest scams that you should, you know, they're AI, artificial intelligence powered scams. You can go to their website for, you know, details on each one of these. There's loan forgiveness scams where folks are masquerading like they're the federal government, like, uh, you know, yeah, like they're going to give you loan forgiveness. And what they really want is your information. And they're, gonna, they're just trying to reel you in and they get you to pay, pay some application fee. A lot of these folks do this. Oh, we're gonna give you a million dollars. Just pay this ten thousand dollar application fee. Anybody who comes at you with that, with any of that, any of that stuff, wrong eh, scam, right? Of application fee scam, one of the easiest scams on the planet. They feed on your greed and your emotionalism and your lack of financial literacy. They offer you some big number and just tell you all it takes is for you to to give us this small number in relation to the big number, and we're gonna pay you for the rest of your life. Uh, does that really sound like it's rational? Okay, it doesn't. Okay, sound like a pipe dream? Hello, it is. <laughs> right? And and they will often say like studentloangovernment.com. Did you see that? I'm just making this up. Like student loan government forgiveness. I'm making this up. Dot com. There is no dot com this government. It's going to be dot gov, G-O-V, uh, or dot at worst, going to be .org, but I wouldn't even believe that, right? If somebody's masquerading as a government, it's going to be .gov or have something to do with the government. I can't tell you how many times I've received letters in, in the mail, and I have to look at it five times because it really looks like it's from the government. I've had people tell me, like, I'm in default on my property taxes, and I had to, like, look at it five times because it looked like it was from a taxing authority. But when you look at it really closely, no, it's just some business, some, 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 some I can't call them entrepreneur because it's not legit, some, some business charlatan masquerading as if they're the government, right? And um, phone scams, people calling you, impersonating, trying to, you know, get you all wrapped up in some story and they call you a whole bunch of times over a period of time and get you and be, get comfortable with you asking about your family they don't care about your family they care about separating you from your wallet text scams i've had those people send me a text was, here's a funny one they sent me a text as if it was me sending the text to me they had messed up john bryant you know this is john bryant i want you to wire me you know i need i'm in I'm I'm in the, I'm I'm in a, stuck in an airport in in Russia, and uh, and they've taken my credit cards and you know who I am I'm legit just send me you know real quickly a thousand dollars or twelve hundred bucks or something I'll get it right back to you, scam right and I've had people in my company who got text messages saying they were from me it clearly wasn't my phone number wasn't my email address it was by it they sent emails to if you just look closely it wasn't me. It wasn't our email address. It wasn't our domain name. It wasn't my phone number. It wasn't anything. But they just, oh, John O'Brien, this is texting me, and he needs me to, to wire $10,000. One of my former employees actually did this. Uh, it wasn't $10,000, but it was you know, over 1000 We reimbursed her uh, for that. And I actually tried to get her to do a, a video to like share her story. She was so embarrassed. She didn't want to share her story, which upset me because I'm like, well, we paid you back for a scam. We didn't have to. You had nothing to do with us. At least you could do is educate other people anyway. She's not with us anymore. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, it, this stuff happens like all the time. Zale scams, um, cryptocurrency scams, romance scams. This is a big one. Online purchase scams, employment scams, check fraud scams. I got one of those. How to avoid, you know, okay. So here's a check fraud scam, right? This is mine. So I'm in Nigeria and this is emotionalism. They got me on emotionalism. 
Um, I'm in Nigeria with Ambassador Andrew Young 20 years ago. I remember uh, Dick Gregory, the famous uh, comedian, said, I love going to Africa. This is 20 years ago. I love going to Africa because there, even my old cancel credit cards still work. <laughs> Not the case anymore. Now everybody has digital and you know connected to the internet or whatever, but... So I was, I was in Nigeria. We were guests of the president, the United, of the president of Nigeria, the then president. There with Ambassador Andrew Young and the African African American Summit, Reverend Leon Sullivan. All that was legit. We're at a African art bazaar outside the hotel. Again, government officials around, security around, and I'm trying. I'm all caught up in the emotion of the moment. I, you know, we're all African. We're all from Africa. Everybody's from Africa. I'm trying to show my support, right, for my brothers and my sisters in Africa. And I'm not mad. I'm about to give you tell you this story. I'm not mad at this person. They actually, this was so smooth and so smart. I wanted them to have the money, right? This was my, I get to tell the story for the rest of my life. So it was worth the money I lost. So I go to buy a piece of art and I wrote a check. He let me write a check. And I, I don't remember the exact amount, but let's just say I wrote the check for a thousand dollars, right? So I wrote him a check for a thousand dollars for the art. He allowed me, now this is smooth now. He allowed me to take the art with me. So I give him a $1,000 check. I take the art with me. I get on the plane. I go home. The art's in my office. Two weeks have passed. This is so smooth. These Nigerians, these scamsters, not everybody in Nigeria, but Nigerian scamsters, I mean, Nigerians are probably the smartest Africans on the planet. Sorry, I'm not offending anybody else, but as far as entrepreneurship and business, some of the smartest on the planet. They ever get legal, they'll run the planet. They'll run the world. My God. This guy is so smooth. This guy was so smooth. Waited two weeks, a confidence scam. Waited two weeks, build up my confidence in him, emailed me. Now, what would happen if, I, if he'd gotten the wrong email address or something for me, right? Emails me. What if I didn't respond to the email? But he knew how I respond. Emotionalism. Hey, Mr. Bryant, told me, told me, Mr. Bryant, I'm so sorry to bother you. You gave me a check. I went to the, to the bank. The bank wouldn't cash the check because I don't have the proper ID, the proper credentials, and hope you're enjoying the art. was so honored to meet you, blah, 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 speaking to my ego. I'm so, you know, so proud of the work you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> right? You're about to work me over. And, well, I'm like, well, what can I do to help you? Of course, I got the Superman complex, right? What can I do to help you? This is, un- this is unfair. I mean, what do you mean the bank's not giving you the money? That cash- this is my check. Do tell them to cash my check in your name. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Bryant. They won't cash the check. What do I do? I need the money for my rent and my payments. Oh, Superman to the rescue. Not to worry. I tell you what, I'm going to wire the money to you. It was Western Union. I'm sending you the $1,000 by Western Union. I checked the bank, by the way. Check had not cleared. I know somebody sitting there saying, John, don't do it. Check the bank. I checked the bank. The check had not cleared. Okay, we're on the same page. I am the financial literacy guy, right? So I'm like, okay. I checked the bank. I thought I was smart. I wire him $1,000 to Western Union. Hold on now. He texts back. Not, not text, sorry. Emailed back back in those days, 20 years ago. I'm sorry, Mr. Bryant. The Western Union won't allow me to pick up the money. They say I have an ID problem. The other one, the first one was a credentials problem. This one was a ID problem. What do you mean they, they won't give you the money? Yes, Mr. Bryant, I'm so sorry. They won't uh, accept uh, my ID. They're uh, going to send your money back. I don't know whether I told him not to do that. I think I did. And I think the money did come back to me. And then, I, then he told me, well, send it to his, his sister, I believe. So I resent the money this time. Now he's got me off my game, right? Now I'm completely committed. I'm, I'm completely distracted. I wire another $1,000 now to his sister, so-called sister, right? And I'm waiting for confirmation. I don't hear anything. 
Finally, I get my people to check Western Union. Yes, the money's been received. Fantastic. Secretary comes to my office. John, you might want to check the bank. Call the bank. Checks have been cashed. Boom. Drop the mic. <laughs> dude caught me coming and going. All I could do is raise my, my hand to the dude. Like, okay, that was really, really smooth. Now, you won't... First, it happens to me. You know, it happens to me once. Shame on you. It happened to me twice. Shame on me. Right, but it's not happened to me twice. But but that one time when that happened to me, I had to tip my hat and say, "Job well done, criminal." But you'll never get that money from me again. Not a mas. If I go to someplace, I put it on my American Express card. You don't take American Express. You're not getting any money from me, or I'll pay cash. No checks. No nothing. Where I can't. You know. De- you know. It has to be debated later. Eh. Don't think so. And this dude, again, it was so smooth because he actually gave me the product, didn't cash the check, banked on the fact that, that I was, you know, the kind of person that would respond to his email, had to believe he had the right email address, and waited to the exact right time to cash that check. Just shows that we really are smart, right? We really, we've been doing so much with so little for so long, we almost do anything with nothing. What happens when we become legal? My Lord, <laughs> right? And by the way, I'm not picking on black people. I picked on every race during this podcast, but do remember that NASCAR came from moonshine running in the Appalachian Mountains. You know, moonshine runners, they realized they've been running from the police that they, it was illegal and they, you couldn't do that for the rest of your life. You're going to get, you know, prison, probation, parole, or dead. It was no retired moonshine runners. So they said, well, what can we do? Ah, we can drive. And they start driving on in the mountains and driving on the beach and driving on in fields and driving around in circles, and hello, here comes NASCAR, and five generations later of wealth, you have billion-dollar families that came, they can track their history to moonshine running. So rainbows only follow storms. You cannot have a rainbow without a storm first. Everybody has gone through something to get somewhere, and so here's our story as well. Love and light, John Hope. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Yo, 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 John O'Brien here on Money and Wealth. So, there's a fan question from underscore Mr. Charisma at Instagram underscore Mr. Charisma. So thank you for your question. I love questions. There, there is no, there are no dumb questions. Like Quincy Jones, I asked, how'd you get so smart? He said, I'm just nosy as hell. <laughs> I want to know everything about everything. That's why God gave you two ears and one mouth. So you listen twice as much as you talk. So I, I love questions, even questions that make me shake my head, right? This whole, this whole podcast episode should be like, what you don't do, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> so his question is, is paying your bills more important first or investing? And actually, in a stabilized world, the answer to me is simple. You pay your bills because otherwise you're destroying your credit score. If you don't pay your bills, you're just destroying your credit score. And, you know, your credit score will determine the quality of your life. Like real talk. Uh, if your outflow sees your inflow, your overhead will be your downfall. You, you know, you got, now you got too much month in your money. Now the, now the white notices turn into blue notices, turn into to yellow notices, turn into pink notices, turn into, into, into 800, 1-800 calls and cutoff notices. And then, you, then, then you have, then your stuff is just like off. <laughs> and I've, I've come up, I, I remember off. I remember like Friday night. I'm trying to have a date and the lights are off, right? <laughs> because I didn't pay the, the light bill coming up, right? I remember off, off phone bill, off. I remember all my stuff getting turned off. And I and I remember having toe up credit, toe up from the floor up, and it was not fun at all. So half of black folks have a credit score below 620. I'm, this is not a podcast for black people exclusively, but I'm talking to my people First and foremost, you know, you can be the nicest person on the planet, go to church every Sunday, be sweet and caring and loving. And and still, if you your credit score is below 620, which is half of black America, not poor people, that's all of us, then you wake up in the morning and, and half of us are locked out of the free enterprise system, right? You just cannot operate uh, in the free enterprise world. This is a free enterprise democracy, real talk. Like, so you've got to get your credit straight. As my dad used to, cre- used to say growing up in South Central LA, credit, he wanted his credit right, right? That's why his credit was all tore up. He couldn't even say the word credit. He was good at business, but not good at financial literacy. Now, I just said all that, but my story would suggest that I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because 
I made a bet on investing in me. And I cannot say this is for everybody because I could have been wrong. I, I, I could have completely, now I guess I could have made it right by just creating credit agreements. But if you go and listen to my story and you track it when I was homeless, I hadn't paid the car note, the Montero, black Montero Jeep leased to me by Mitsubishi of West Covina or whatever it is. I don't know if they're still there. They are. Thank you guys for financing my life by accident, financing my dreams by accident, my businesses and not coming after me with a tow truck <laughs> uh, because I needed that car to get around. Um, but I didn't, I couldn't invest in my business and pay the uh, car at the same time. And I didn't have an apartment because I lived in my Jeep. And I, but I took the $500 a month that was coming in from residual payments from the acting that I had done before that. It wasn't a very good actor, but anyway, I had $500 a month, a month coming in in residual payments. I could buy, I could rent an apartment or rent an office, I rented the office and started a consulting firm. And I just, I just had too much, I had too much month in my money. I had too many bills and not enough revenue. And, but I thought if I just kept hustling, kept hustling, kept hustling, that on the back end, I would, it would pay off and I would then pay off my debts. I could have filed bankruptcy. I didn't. And as soon as I start doing well, I called West Comita Mitsubishi and whoever their financier agent was, I called all my creditors and I cut a deal and negotiated my payment. So I, I invested in me and that investment paid off, but it could have imploded. Now, if it had imploded, what, I, what would I have done? I would not have filed bankruptcy. I still would have, would have went and got a job somewhere and I would have cut a deal with my creditors to pay them back little by little and rebuild. It just would have taken more time to rebuild. Um, so you can, again, you read my story in my book up from nothing or the memo or all the different places where you can find the story when I was homeless and the decisions I made and how I made them. Uh, so I made a bet on me. I would tell most people though, who have a regular job, because I had the chance to cash it, to write a check, not just cash it and determine the, the size of my payoff with the return on the big bets I was making of investments in me. Well, thank God some of which paid off. But if you just have a, if you're on a salary and a regular job, you don't have that kind of upside. And um, you need, in my, like my mother did, like my father did, like my, most of my family did, you need to steady and sure, right? So you need a good credit score. Pay your bills, put a little aside. You can do fractional investing, which means less than a, if you have $10 and the share price on something you want to buy is $100, you can buy $10 of a share, fractional investing. Um, I talked about, timeshares, which is not the same as fractional investing. It Because fractional investing is investing in an instrument that actually could be worth much more than what you're putting in it. Whereas the timeshare investment I made clearly was worth less than what I put in it because it was not intended to be an investment on the, on the front end to begin with. So I would say invest in yourself. If you're an entrepreneur, a small business owner, that says something different than if you are, like 90% of most people, an employed individual. Most people listening to this podcast are employed individuals, working class, middle class, whatever. So get your credit score right. Keep it tight. Pay your bills. Communicate with your creditors on a regular basis. When you can't pay a bill, call them before they call you. Take whatever you have left. Don't go to Starbucks or I'm not hating on Starbucks. Don't go to some fancy barista place. Go get you a Keurig machine, a coffee maker at home and save that, you know, 300 bucks a month or at least a hundred bucks a month from, from that. And then take a hundred dollars of that and invest it in stocks, bonds, invest, you know, whatever it is you like to invest in uh, mutual funds, 401k, whatever, start small and let it compound. I started an account at Aerial capital management, black owned mutual fund company. When I was in my teens, in fact, I had a chance to invest in the company, my dumber and didn't do it when he first founded it, John Rogers, 
Uh, but I did it, opened an account, and I put a little bit in every month. I looked up one day, it was $87,000. Back, back, and back in the time when that was a whole lot of money for me. That was everything. It's probably everything for most people listening to this podcast, actually. Uh, half this country makes $65,000, $60,000 a year, right? So it was like $87,000. I don't remember what it was, but I used that for something meaningful uh, way back when. It might have been to put a down payment on my first piece of real estate. But I, I, I had forgotten about it. I just kept putting a few hundred dollars a month into this account and it compounded capital management, aerial investment. Got, um, I think it's aerial investment, actually. Um, John Rogers, you just look it up. John Rogers and Melody Hobson, aerial investment. Black owned, by the way. Biggest black owned mutual fund in the country. And they were doing, they, they did great then. They're doing great now. And so I uh, put in X and got out X plus Y and then used that to make another investment and the rest is history, as they say. So I hope that answered the question, the fan question. Thank you, uh, underscore Mr. Charisma, and let it keep them coming. Love and light. This is the civil rights movement. You have questions, go to Operation Hope. Talk to one of my financial coaches. I talk to them every quarter. They always find something messed up on my credit score, by the way, my credit report. AT&T connects and old to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. 
Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, yo, this is John Hope Bryan, and this is Money and Wealth on the uh, Black Effect Podcast Network with my brand Charlemagne. Good investment. I have personal experience with this. <laughs> I'm going to be very specific here. Are timeshares good real estate investments? The answer is no. Now, I'm not hating on timeshares, and there's different kind of timeshares. They're not really timeshares, they're more like real estate shares. The reason they call it a timeshare is it's actually not really as a value proposition about the real estate, it's about the time. So if you're a working class person, right, and I want you all to you know watch this documentary, The Queen of Versailles, which talks about this billionaire dude, David Siegel is his name, who was and is in the timeshare business. And he explains it in the documentary, how his son explains how they separate uh, working class people from their wallets. Don't take my word for it. Just watch it yourself. But let me just get get into this, you know, straight away. That's just entertaining. This is this is factual. Timeshares. If you're a working class person, you're a postal worker, you're a teacher, you're a, you're some kind of a structured job, and you don't think you can afford vacations, but you need to get away, you know, and you want to know you can get away, and you know exactly what time of the year you're going to get away because your vacation is the same time every year. You can schedule that in advance. You want to go to some fancy place that may you don't think you can afford they really again they catch you on the emotionalism here um and the dreaming aspects and they don't think and you don't think you can you know afford to go and own one of these some fancy place in some fancy location uh then they get you on a free trip <clears throat> you know a free stay but by by they, they know that you'll never make it to the free stay before they warm you over with the presentation that nine times out of ten will have you writing a check or signing a, a very expensive loan uh, agreement or making some other commitment uh, that allows them to take separate you from your wallet. I know because it happened to me. And th- the only real estate investment that I've lost money on that I can remember, by the way, maybe it might have happened, the only one I can remember, was a timeshare. And it's actually happening right now. I'm selling a timeshare I bought 30 years ago. 30, yeah, 30 years ago. I bought it emotionalism because a civil rights leader in South Central L.A., who I was trying to befriend, I was trying to impress, I was trying to make him my friend, and he was, try- I'm sure, trying to get a free week's vacation and was told that if he sell this timeshare to somebody else, some other dupe, <laughs> dud or bonehead like me, that he could get a free week. And he, you know, he, nice guy. I don't want to mention his name because everybody will know who it is in L.A. Uh, but I bought it 30 years later. I am just now rinsing the shirt that I got washed in from this so-called investment, and I'm I'm getting out of it when it closes a third, less than a third of what I paid for it. But when you factor in all the management fees and the maintenance fees, it's like $3,500. I, I bought this thing for $35,000, two weeks of timeshare on the beach, across from the beach in Newport Beach. Sounds great, doesn't it? And I own partial real estate of this development in Newport Beach, on the beach. Unbelievably beautiful you know, storyline. And I'd lived in South Central LA, so driving to Newport Beach, I was like, oh my God, I can own a piece of this, right? Uh, but when I, when I sold that 30 years later, 
and paid $3,500 um, a year. I think it was $3,500 a year, $1,500, $1,800 per unit per year in maintenance fee. And if you don't pay the maintenance fee, they default you in the agreement. And luckily, and I even had a, I had a financed it with their ridiculous interest rate financing that the in-house financing they did. It was some crazy interest rate, 18% or some crazy thing. I don't even think about it. It was so high. It gave me a, gave me a nosebleed. I, I ended up paying that off, thank God, a decade ago on the debt side, the loan side. So I own the crappy investment free and clear. <laughs> um, but I still had to pay the maintenance fee every uh, year. If I didn't pay the maintenance fee, fee, they could default me on my ownership agreement and put a lien against my ownership and take my ownership because if I don't pay the maintenance fee over two or three or four years, they own the dang on thing because it's worth more than I can sell it for according to them, because they control, by the way, the outcome of the real estate, which is one of the really important pieces about why I don't like timeshares. With Fee Simple Real Estate, I control when I buy, when I sell, how I negotiate, what I do with it. On timeshares, they control it. I've already gotten, I already got it wrapped up in my own stories. Let me just finish it. I'll now tell you why I think it might be good for you. Uh, this is why it's bad, right? Um, so I'm selling that thing for, I think I'm getting $10,900 or something for one of the two units. And I don't know, I'm getting, you know, by the time I get out of this, I will have lost on the principal investment. So I paid dollars $38,000 30 years ago. I will sell it for less, probably $10,000 less is my guess than the purchase price. This is real estate on the beach in Newport Beach. And when you factor in the $3,500 or $3,800 a year in maintenance fee, I mean, it's simple math over 30 years, I got washed. I got soaked, right? And I didn't want to go, after a few years, I didn't want to go to this place anymore. Uh, but I was stuck with it. Then I had to fly there and pay for plane tickets and blah, 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 blah. So from an investment perspective, it sucked. It was horrible, right? But, you know, I should have knew what I signed up for. They didn't force me. They didn't twist my arm. I'm not hating on them. There was good marketing. Good manipulation and, you know, a good, you know, emotionalization because this guy got me to do it because I was trying to impress him. It's like, it's like a bad marriage. Easy to get married, hard to get divorced, right? I've been trying to get out of this dang on thing for a decade and a half, <laughs> right? And you could transfer this timeshare to another part of the country, another part of the country, but I, I, every, every place they wanted to transfer me to, I didn't like it. Like, I'm like, I if I got to go someplace and my house is better where, where I'm going, then I, I definitely not going. Or if I'm used to something that's better than what you're going to put me in, I'm definitely not going. Anyway, so you can tell I'm sort of bitter and, and <laughs> about the whole thing. But it was my fault, right? Now, here's where it's a good idea. If you want a no-hassle, plug-and-play vacation once a year and your income is going to stay pretty stable over the course of your life. So I had huge jumps in income and wealth, thank God. So I was able to look at the world through different prisms over different times. And so I didn't want to go to the same place that I used to go to 20, 30 years ago. It wasn't interesting to me anymore. Um, I wanted to own the resort, not stay in it. <laughs> but if you're my mother or my father or my cousin uh, and your income is the same year over year, decade after decade, and you just want a vacation, then that time share, right? Where they, and they, and, and the other problem was as an entrepreneur, I never knew when I was going to have a week or two uh, to myself. And it, it, it would change every year because I'm hustling and running and gunning, but they need, but those, I couldn't change. This also offended me. I couldn't change the dates. What, what do you mean? I own the place. What do you mean? I can't change the date when I stay there because you own it with 
other owners, right? And those other owners have a say. They've put in weeks that they want to reserve. And the managing partner of that, which is in this case was a hotel situation, they control the narrative. So I could say whatever I want. I, you know, they, I'm a limited partner to the general partner. I learned so much from owning that property. So it was actually gave me a PhD in what not to do. And you're hearing the backstory on that. I'm saving you a whole bunch of money now. But if you, you know, there, so there are benefits to it, but one of them is not real estate investment or investment. It is what it sounds like. Time share. You're sharing the time in a piece of real estate that is in a location, hopefully you're going to love for the rest of your life or part of a network that you're going to love and can switch out for the rest of your life. And you don't mind the monthly payments or the amount that you paid for it in advance. And you don't mind the maintenance fees because that's, you, you know, that you're part of a experience that would cost you, in your opinion, 10 times more. Okay. I mean, and by the way, the place I stayed in once or twice a year, if I wanted to buy that place, I think about it now. Today, cross street from the beach, condo sort of. Uh, I mean, it would be a it would be a couple yeah, million and a half dollar condo. I say a million and a half dollar condo, um, maybe two million. Now, uh, when I bought it, three hundred thousand. Um, so when I bought it, three hundred thousand, three fifty thousand, three fifty thousand. I bought it for thirty five, thirty eight thousand dollars. So yeah, I'm like, oh, this is a great deal. I'm getting a, a rich man's experience for poor man's money. But that's not where I am today, right? So it just depends on the person. Now, by the way, there are wealthy examples of this where it's not timeshare, it's real estate share, where you're buying part of a mansion, part of a 10,000 square foot home in Mexico or, by the way, these timeshare things are Las Vegas, Miami, Jamaica, Bahamas, they're all over the place. You can find them everywhere, right? So just be careful and never make an emotional decision because whenever you make an emotional decision, it's going to be wrong, <laughs> just like the one I made. But once you become more affluent, there are networks of, there are these companies that you can basically buy a percentage of a yacht, percentage of a RV, percentage of a race car, percentage of a vacation home in different parts of the world or whatever. And you really own you know, a fourth of it or whatever it is. And you meet the people and then you like the people, cool, and you're dealing with sophisticated investors and sophisticated management companies. And when you want out, you know, it's a typically, you know, a decent deal when you exit and they, they facilitate it for you. And um, you, you sort of, you could, anyway, the wealthier you get, the more knowledgeable you are, the more sophisticated you are, the more financially literate you are, the better your chances that a shared equity situation will turn out giving you value. But if you're low income, low wealth, low financial literacy, desperate with a surviving mindset, you got too much month at the end of your money, you're, you're stressed out, you don't know the numbers, you're not paying attention, you finance the thing with the sponsoring company's finance, eh, wrong, <laughs> you didn't pay attention, you're going to get nailed. The likelihood you're going to get nailed with something that's going to, and by the way, and this thing, and if you don't pay, they'll ruin your credit. Like they'll, and they'll threaten you. Like they'll call you every month. Like, where's the money? Like, and then de the debt collection piece becomes another business that they have. They have a, some of these companies, the lower end, not as ethical, have debt collection departments because they financed it for you. And then they are charge you debt collection fees, late fees, you know, and they're paying you, they're charging you money on their own money. They're charging you fees on the money, the, the, the expensive money, the, in many cases, the um, 
predatory financing that they put in front of you and put you in where they made their money three times on that thing if you paid it over time. So if you defaulted on it halfway through, they've already made their profit. Then they hit you with low, with all kind of fees and late fees and default fees and they chase you. And then you, you know, you, you, you just want to be done with it. So you send them a going away present, a check and you sign off on it and they take that and remarket it. They remarket the same property to some other person who's going to be their next victim. So just don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) It looks too good to be true. That should be the whole title this whole week. If it looks too good to be true, it normally is. All right. Love you much. And if you have any questions, go to Operation Hope. Talk to one of my Hope Financial Coaches. Tell them John Bryant sent you and I gave you a whole lecture about how I lost money on timeshare and don't want you to lose any money. There are good timeshare companies out there. There are good experiences. So don't, I'm not dumping on timeshare companies. I'm just saying it's not designed at the lower end for low income people. It's not designed to benefit you financially. That's why they call it a timeshare and not a revenue share or a real estate equity investment share. And they don't emphasize return on an investment. It's return on fun. All right, peace. Money and Wealth with John O'Brien is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network. For more podcasts from the Black Effect Podcast Network, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilbur Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. 
even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.